And good evening. This is the Tech Travel Geeks podcast. This is episode number 15, recorded on the 14th of November 2018. I'm your host, Chief Mobile Opinionist, Matteo, and I'm joined as usual by Lukash. Good evening, Lukash. Hey, Matteo. How are you today? Good, good, thanks. Uh, dealing with broken boilers and all the the administration involved around that. But apart from that, all good. Almost packed for China. Excellent. So um, we have another awesome guest on the show. This time it's someone who I have a bit of history with and who was name-dropped quite a few times in our recent episode with Mark Dearlove. We have Paul O'Brien himself on the show. Good evening, Paul. Hi, how's it going? Very well, thanks. It's great to have you on the show. When you say we have a bit of history, it sounds a bit dubious, like we've been in fights <laughs> or something, you know. No, no, nothing like <laughs> that. We're, we're, we're quite civilized. So uh, Paul, in a way, gave me a break uh, back in 2009, 2010, by allowing me to contribute to uh, to the news section of his site, Modeco. Uh, Paul, tell us about Modeco. What is Modeco.com? So it's a... Uh, forum so it's got an interesting history so it was established in 2002 when i bought an orange spv uh windows mobile powered smartphone so i was working in dotnet development at the time and i was pretty excited about orange launching this smartphone uh went and picked it up you know thought brilliant i'm going to be able to deploy my own source code uh, my own apps to this phone um, plugged it in, deployed the code, and it was like, no, this is locked down. You can only deploy stuff that's signed with the orange certificate. So um, I did what any you know uh, right-minded technical person would do and started up a forum so I could rant about it and uh, get other people to rant about it with me. Um, and the rest, is, as they say, is history. We kind of went through the Windows Mobile smartphone years and the Pocket PC years and the Android years and, you know, the... Uh, dueling with Symbian people and Rafe Blanford, et cetera, et cetera, who I'm sure will be a guest on here at some point. Um, and yeah, it kind of grew over and over through the years. Um, it span off a consultancy business that I ran for kind of 10 years working on um, Android-related stuff. So that was quite interesting. Things like um, working with companies that were bringing tablets into the country from China to then selling retail in the UK, places like Carphone Warehouse. So I worked on a software build for those. Um, and yeah, yeah, so it's, I've just kind of had my hands in mobile for a very long time now, uh, longer when you actually work out, you know, 2002, um, and obviously I was in mobile before that, but that's when it already kicked off. That's, that's a long time. I must be really old. <laughs> and you really know your, your history of operating systems and open source projects. Yeah. Having been involved in many of them. Yeah. Because my background is in development anyway. Um, yeah, I've been involved with a lot of stuff and yeah, particularly deeply in Android, you know, there came a point in the evolution of Windows Mobile where it was, you know, do you stick with Windows or is this kind of Android thing going to be like a big thing? And yeah, it turned out to be quite substantial. I was uh, playing with my T-Mobile G1 the other day on the 10 year anniversary of Android and thinking, wow, what machine that was, you know, it's uh, yeah. pretty fascinating. And and we all cry about what Migo could have been. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, it's interesting. In amongst all that stuff, I was kind of a Windows Mobile MVP. So that means kind of Microsoft plucked some Windows Mobile community people and, uh, you know, brought them under their wing 
running and we went out to see Microsoft in Seattle and kind of got involved in a lot of events they were running. So that was pretty cool. And, you know, that's my that's me helping you, Matteo, with a segue into travel. So. <laughs> yes. Uh, so obviously you, you travel not only for your day job, but also with the community and blogging related side of things with uh, what you do in the mobile space. You mentioned that you were a guest of you're a guest of Microsoft in Seattle. Uh, mm. Did you go out to Seattle to visit HTC when the, a lot of the uh, Western-facing activities were there? Yeah, the HTC was an interesting one. So they had like a, I guess what you call it today is an influencer program. So that kind of originated at Microsoft um, with Jason Gordon, who I'm sure many people know is now at GoGoRo. Um, and yeah, that kind of left Microsoft and moved into HTC, and that involved kind of getting people together at locations kind of around the world talking about HTC products and kind of Microsoft products and that kind of thing. So yeah, it was pretty cool. It was a, it was an interesting uh, program, not because it wasn't, you know, let's get people out here and let's, you know, wine and dine them and give them stuff and get them to say nice things. It was very much like uh, let's get um, kind of knowledgeable mobile and tech people out here and actually show them what's coming along and get feedback on our products. And, you know, the people, when we were there, it, it wouldn't be pulling any punches, you know, if there was a device and it was crap, you know, it would be called out as crap, you know, uh, there's been a bit of kind of back and forth on Twitter of late around, you know, uh, Huawei giving out devices, their launches. I'm sure you saw it, Matteo, um, but around how, how that positive or positively or negatively influences their um, reviews. But um, I, th oh, yeah. I think, I think you'll agree with me that, you know, if you're kind of professional at doing this kind of thing, you know, it's it's just an opportunity for you to give, you know, real feedback on what you don't like as much as what you do like. Yes, and we, we also, obviously, depending on how closely related you are to these companies, you also get the chance to, as as you did with HTC, to mm -hmm. get to see the products before long before they come to market, to give them feedback, to ask questions of where you think there may be some areas they can improve on or you think they've thrown it out of the ballpark. There's a lot of that going on, but it all obviously depends on it. Uh, mm. Both yourself and others that we, we we are friends with and we speak to mainly on Twitter, the the thing is we're, we're very, very passionate about it. We're the ultimate product feedback mm. people for the people developing those products. It's a, uh, it's it's funny being involved at that kind of level of detail. In that, when when a device comes out and it's great, it'd be like the best thing in the world. But then, when a lemon arrives, it's the most depressing thing imaginable, isn't it? <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a device that um, counts in the lemon category, the HTC Cha Cha or something. You know, you mean the HTC Cha Cha, which was rebranded as the HTC Cha Cha Cha? For yeah, it wasn't Cha Cha for shit. Or saying in Spanish, no, wasn't it? Yeah. Cacha was was Spanish for Lady of the Night. I oh, was it okay. And right. so HTC had to very rapidly rebrand the product, which ironically they launched at MWC as the Cha Cha Cha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> either way, either way, not a brilliant device. No, though I did actually see one in the wild in Singapore in January this year, and I was really impressed by someone a still using a, a physical QWERTY device. Not only that, a physical QWERTY device running Android in a landscape mode, and it was still working. <laughs> mm. Yeah, which, 
was one of the issues with that that hardware was that it wasn't very reliable. Was that Android or was that Windows Mobile? That remember. was Android. The, the Chacha and the what I think the the non Chacha one, which was a touchscreen mm. Android device with a Facebook button at the bottom of it. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. What what a lot it, of people don't remember is that the original before the G one came out, there was like a reference device for Android, and it looked a lot like the Chacha, didn't it? You know, with no slider, but just a old school BlackBerry style. Yeah, it did, and there's no no concept of touchscreen for that sort of device. Mm. And on the subject of the Facebook phone, did you guys hear recently that Facebook are releasing a a, a new device? Uh, the screen, um, what was the it? Portal. The portal. Yeah, the portal. Yeah. yeah. Looks quite interesting, but quite expensive, isn't it? I would uh, also. It, oh, sorry, you, you go, Paul. I was going to say it. The biggest issue is whether you want Facebook in your house or not, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the the terms and conditions are subject to change, or at frequent and breaking change. Mm. But hey ho, um, I I visited the Facebook campus recently. I did not see any of them in the wild, uh, but it was an interesting experience. I now understand more about how people work at Facebook, and it's it's very interesting to watch as a visitor. But yes, Facebook then followed up with another device, which ironically was made by HTC and launched in the US on AT&T, if I'm not mistaken, Paul. Mm. And that was a, an incredible flop uh, to the point that it was pulled not long after release. Yeah, it was an AT&T exclusive. I can't remember, can't remember the name of it now, but um, yeah, it was about as successful as the Amazon phone, basically. Yes, and and the Microsoft Kin, or is that the benchmark for failed launches? Oh, I remember the Kin when it came out, and you know Microsoft was so excited about it, and yeah, it just didn't work, did it? No, uh, that was one of the the I think Vodafone pre-release devices that never actually got released. Mm. Sad, mm. sad, sad things, but I think we're all the better of it. As in, market forces did give us some some better platforms to work with mm. i'm trying to think what that compares to now you know these devices that launch with fanfare and flop is it too cruel to say the essential phone is you know the modern equivalent um i think that the essential phone was a bit more of a let's put it this way a concerted uh, venture capital effort at creating mm -hmm. new 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 thing on the market I mean, they had Andy Rubin stroking and sorry, they had Walt Mossberg on stage stroking Andy Rubin's phone. So mm -hmm. that was not something that happens as by coincidence or pure corporate mm -hmm. push. There's a lot more more dark uh, investor <laughs> capacities at work there. Yeah, yeah. But yes, Essential was a very interesting blip in the market. It could have been very, very good, but I think that they. They they released to market too early. What do you think, Paul? Um, I think it's interesting because I've had a couple of them actually, and you know it's a pretty it's a decent phone um, with a pretty disappointing camera, and I can't decide if a disappointing camera killed it as a product overall, or whether even with a you know excellent camera it would still have not done very well. I, I'm not really sure because the feel in hand was amazing. You know, it had a very innovative notch. Um, it was, the ceramic back was great. The size was great. Everything about it was fine. The updates were quick and it's pure Android, but for some reason people just didn't buy it. And yeah, the camera is the only thing I can think of that was kind of the real killer. But 
Yeah. Also, launching it in the US is always a problem where carrier power is much bigger than the mm. phones themselves. I think that that hampered them is partnering with Sprint initially. Mm. Uh, I think that with the essential phone to really give it that aspirational positioning in the market, they could have launched it somewhere like the Middle East, had a sort of boutique mm. Vertu experience, and it would have sold very well just because of its premium build and innovative design. You say that like Virtue is a success, you know. Well, um, it did very well for, for a few years. I'd say from 2000, late 2012 through to 2015, mm -hmm. they had significant revenue and had started looking as if they were going to go profitable. But sadly, that didn't mm -hmm. happen in the end. Because it was and, really Nokia, wasn't it? And then it was spun out separately. But I'm not sure where it's ended up now. So what my understanding of what happened was that it was a Nokia asset, like many others, that was spun out. Uh, their, their Italian CEO, Max Pogliani, reorganized the company, uh, partnered with TCL, my understanding is, for components and, and software support. And then they became an Android ven vendor. And that's when they started having some serious traction and started having boutique franchises across the Middle East and in London and Milan and other places. Uh, sadly, that didn't uh, work out in the long run because the investors got spooked. So I, I think that the UK production facility, which was one of their selling points, is handcrafted in the UK, has been shut down. Mm -hmm. The brand and the franchisees left uh, are all owned by a Turkish company. But Vertu was the ultra-luxury phone, uh, mm. which is not the sort of phone most people and most travelers would choose because it was so expensive. It had a ruby button on the side, which wasn't your on-off button. It was a concierge button. That's so right. Yeah. You'd call, call your concierge, who was provided by Vertu, and they would book you your next private jet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's uh, pretty crazy. And who can understand why it didn't really pan out? Eh? <laughs> yes, uh, we we were coming out of of the recession and the financial crisis, but not fast enough for Vertu. You got to wonder if there's now a market for them, since people are paying like a thousand pound for devices anyway. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> they're they're only ten times the price. Yeah, bargain. <laughs> Though looking at the lower end of the market. Uh, so we're, we're paying £1,000 per device for our Pixel 3 XLs and our uh, Mate 20 Pros. Have you had to play around with the Honor 8X? Yes, yes. Um, brilliant device. There, there's a couple of problems for me with the Honor 8X. One is, obviously, micro USB is a bit annoying because I've kind of tried to get rid of, I think, micro USB in my life. Um, but for the majority of people, that's not really a problem. Um, probably the biggest issue with the Honor 8X is the fact that the Honor Play exists. I think the prices are just too close at the moment, and especially with the Honor Play being pretty discounted at the moment. Um, yeah, I, can, I can't really recommend the ATEX over the Honor Play for most people because of the flagship CPU that's in the Play. Yeah. Uh, do you think that there's a, a, a di very different market? Do you think that the fact that e the ATEX is available in stores, it's available at the Carphone Warehouse at three stores, Mm. Um, uh, that makes a big difference in this context yeah i think so i mean i think the atex will do extremely well and i know someone with one i've got one myself and yeah it's an excellent phone um 
Yeah, I mean, on their own way, are just killing it, really, aren't they, with their devices, you know. Um, there's the odd kind of weird one where you think, why would anyone buy that, like the Mate 20 Lite, um, when you look at what it costs versus the Honor equivalents. But, um, yeah, that end of the market is definitely getting very interesting as the mid-range prices are squeezed down and Xiaomi, obviously, coming into market now as well. It's going to, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And with, you know, the big argument against honor and huawei was always uh emotion ui or emui um and i think that's you know lots of people still moan about it but the reality is that you know it's a non-issue nowadays be interesting <laughs> to see. you know the next person that moans at me about emotion ui i'm going to make them use me ui for uh, <laughs> and me ui being xiaomi's android distribution yeah so they never realize how good they've got it so <laughs> yes and let's not not mourn the the death of TouchWiz because now, but the official naming of Samsung's new UX experience is uh, One Wiz, spelt one as an O N E, Wiz U I Z, oh or U I Z. Has uh, been Touch TouchWiz for a while. It's called something else currently, yeah. isn't it? But in the in the hearts of those uh, those of us who were part of Mudaco back in the day, it will always be TouchWiz. <laughs> I had someone talking to me the other day about the uh, Omnia. Do you remember the Samsung Omnia? The, those was, are uh, the Windows Mobile 6.5 devices. Yeah, yeah. So that was, you know, full candy bar, you know, pretty equivalent to what we're using nowadays. But I can't remember what size the screen was, but it's something crazy like four inch or something. We're like, wow, this thing's huge. No one's ever going to use a phone this big. You know, how things change, how things change. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I wrote a review of a ZD Skate, which is an orange Monte Carlo. Yeah. Four, was... A 4.3-inch device defined that... as a big-ass phone. That was the follow-up to the um, San Francisco, wasn't it? Yes. Which was the classic. And I remember going to, um, at Centerpoint in London, going to the launch of the Toshiba TGO one Do you remember that? It's a really thin 4.3-inch Toshiba Windows phone device. And... Uh, that yeah. was the one with the original Snapdragon chipset running at one gigahertz. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But um, yeah, again, we like, oh man, this phone's just too big. But yeah, I don't know. Have our pockets got bigger, or uh, I don't know. Well, I'd say phones are one of those things that define my shopping habits now in terms of clothes. When I try clothes on, I check does my biggest phone fit in them. Do you and... only own like cargo pants now? Is that what it yes. is? <laughs> cargo pants or relatively comfortable jeans and you can tell the days that i was uh trying on jeans wearing a xiaomi mi max <laughs> <laughs> because if i put on my skinny jeans with a xiaomi mi max i risk breaking some ribs one of, one of my worst ever stories is um about when i'd just been to the dell streak launch and i had a bright red dell streak and then i went to a different phone launch i think it was an orange event in a bar and got my Dell streak out, and a young lady came up to me and said, "Excuse me, are you uh, compensating for something?" So, <laughs> Ooh, oh, that's, yeah, that's, rough, rough. That's rough. And to give our listeners a bit of context, the Dell streak was a five-inch Android device launched, I believe, with Android two point one, and one of the first Gorilla Glass screens. It was an amazing phablet tablet device. At the time, no one really knew if it was a tablet or a phone. Most people yeah. assumed it was a tablet. Pretty serious bezels as well. You know, five inch doesn't tell the whole story. It was a bit of a beast. Yeah, <laughs> it was. But those were the days with removable batteries and uh, 
we you were lucky to get get a day's better use out of a device. Uh, a bit like owning a Pixel, basically. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's my my soapbox at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So, are you how how are you finding the Google Pixel Three XL? So I'm quite enjoying the 3XL, actually, more than I thought I would. I mean, it has the Uber notch, obviously, which is a beast. But you kind of, as with all notches, you kind of forget about it, you know, after you've used it for a couple of hours. Yeah, I've got mine here as well. Yeah. What, what color is your one? Is that a black one? Yes, this is a black one. Uh, it's It has the, the, Uber, the Uber bathtub notch, as it's known. Yeah, there's, there's an interesting app. Have you seen uh, Nacho Notch? Are you familiar with that? <laughs> uh, no, I haven't seen it, but I, I have read about it on Twitter. So this is like standard notch mode, and then we have Nacho Notch, which you turn on with a kind of toggle, and then it basically there you go. So the notch has disappeared now, and it turns it black at the top and curves to the top, but it keeps the notification icons at the top. Oh, cool! So they've essentially put MUI features onto a Google Pixel yeah, experience so, device. Yeah, if you look at Instagram there, you see I've got my notifications at the top, but it's kind of hidden the notch away, and it works really well. To be fair, I quite like it because it's OLED screen. Obviously, it's truly black off. Um, yeah, the three XL is nice. Um, it's not amazing, you know. It does have RAM issues on this software build. The camera is good, but I've not—I've honestly not been that blown away by it. And the whole experience is ruined because I've got a Mate 20 Pro. I, I completely agree. That's the the thing is. It feels like last year's phone. I'm going to be honest. So my wife—I brought her the not pink Pixel 3, and uh, she switched to it from a P20, and she doesn't like the Pixel at all. Said the battery life's no good. The camera, um, she misses. Pro features from the uh, P20. Um, yeah, so much so that she's now got my uh, Mate 20 Pro and the <laughs> Pixel's moving on. So, um, yeah, pretty crazy. Well, uh, Vanessa is a very lucky person. Uh, she has the, the luxury of a, a, an excellent phone supplier. Uh, <laughs> I came back from London from the launch of the, the Mate 20 Pro, the Huawei Mate 20 Pro. Lukash liked it so much, she went out and pre ordered one. Mm hmm. Yeah, I got it straight away, and I've I've been so happy. I used to use uh, Samsung phones for the S7, S8, and S9. Uh, currently, I'm on two phones, but the the Mate 20 Pro is fantastic. Uh, have you either of you received the the update for the night vision yet? It was supposed to come out today. Um, I haven't received it yet, but I've installed like the third-party APK that enables it, and uh, it's pretty cool if you want to take photos in basically pitch darkness. But again, mm -hmm. I'm not, not entirely sure how often I'll really use that. The thing about so I I got the Mate 20 Pro at the launch, obviously, and I've been using the P20 Pro solidly since its launch, since it came out. Um, and the Mate 20 Pro kind of fixed everything I wanted on the P20 Pro, which was great. Um, but it's just. In the real world, you know, the Pixel does some really cool stuff, you know, with night shot and that kind of thing. But the versatility of the Mate 20 Pro camera completely blows it away. You know, the zoom, um, all the kind of cool stuff it's got. Um, yeah, it's 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 nigh on. I mean, yeah, people are mad about EMUI. And if it was pure stock, that probably would be nice. But it's not far off the perfect phone, is it? It is. I totally it's, agree. It's, it's an amazing device. And... Sadly, one of the, the selling points of the Pixels until recently was you get the latest of version of Android first. The Huawei Mate 20 Pro came to market and was available for people to pick up 
in at least in the UK before the Pixel 3 launched and it had the same version of Android on it in terms of security patches and version number. There, there is an issue with the Mate 20 Pro in some units with a greenness on the screen. I don't know how yours is, whether you've got the green issue. What, what color is yours? Is it a twilight or a black? Mine's twilight. Mm, so it seems the black ones are more susceptible to it. They seem to have a different screen in some of the black ones than the twilight ones. But That's interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Yes, I, I will probably be chastised for, for doing this, but I've covered my Mate 20 Pro with a case. This it's not is, even Mockadile. It's going not on? even Mockadile. This is this is beautiful faux denim with a very nice platitude on the back. A bold attempt is half success. I don't know if it's the camera though. It looks it looks pretty greasy. It looks like well, you've no, been that, out working on the car or something. Yes, that's the the, the full faux denim effect of the case. Uh, it's okay. one of those beautiful things that you can get on AliExpress. Have you named it <laughs> Fenim yet? <laughs> yes, it is also known as Fenim. <laughs> uh, AliExpress is very dangerous, isn't it? It is, especially after a few beers. Yeah, I ordered some of those new, um, I can't remember what they're called, the new Xiaomi earbud things. Is that the $30 uh, Bluetooth 5 ones? Yeah, yeah, I can't remember what they're called now. But um, yeah, they were 28 quid, including delivery. Wow. Which is pretty cool. So I ordered some of those. I don't really know why, because I've also ordered some fly pods, which is the honor equivalent. And I've also got the free buds currently, which are like the Huawei ones. And okay. uh, the craziest thing of all, I don't really listen to that much music. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an illness. What can I say? Yes. So these are all Bluetooth wireless headphones. Um, do you use them when commuting, when, when not working from home? Uh, yeah, I suppose I do, but uh, my commute is kind of 17 minutes on a train each way, each day, so um, yeah, I kind of use it a bit, catch up with a podcast, I'm walking to the train and on the train a bit, but not an awful lot, but so. yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how the Flypods, there's two things I'm interested in, those, how they compare to like the uh, AirPods, because uh, my daughter's got the Apple ones, but also the reason I ordered them was because they can wireless charge off the back of a Mate 20 Pro, which is kind of cool. So that's really cool. So they have Qi charging in the in the Flypods case. That's mm. an interesting. That's probably for, on the Mate 20 Pro. That's the feature that's been most of interest to people when I showed it to them. They can basically charge up people's dead iPhones. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great yeah. backstop. Lukash, have you used that to to charge your Samsung S9 Plus? Uh, I think I tried. It's quite slow. Uh, from what I've seen. Um, it's rather slow, but it's 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 a really useful feature, um, and that was actually the reason why I got this phone, um, because my Samsung kept kept on dying, uh, and the battery is amazing. So, I've not used it uh, on purpose to charge other people's um, phones or my Samsung S9 too much, because having two phones uh, both survive the day without any problems. Um, but yeah, it's quite good. Very good. So that is a, a, an issue to, to maybe try and segue into travel a bit more, is uh, dealing with battery anxiety, especially as our smartphones become more and more important to us for translation, maps, directions, boarding passes, train tickets, and so forth. Mm -hmm. Paul, have you ever had some serious cases of battery anxiety? Uh, not really, but for several reasons. So first of all, um, I've always got at least 
two or three phones on me. So that helps a lot. Um, and also, I have this illness which results in just buying every battery bank that I seem to see. So uh, just in case I need another battery bank. So I've got like a drawer full of battery banks. Um, but generally, um, one of the first things I put in my bag when I'm heading out uh, on any sort of long distance travel is I've got an OmniCharge 20. So I don't know if you're familiar with OmniCharge, but it's a pretty kind of seriously industrial uh, battery bank with an OLED screen and various different charging levels and all sorts of stuff. So I've got a USB-C version of that now. So that kind of covers off pretty much everything I need to okay. charge. And so what's the what's the the brand again? Um Omnicharge. Omnicharge. Yeah. And is that one of the stainless steel looking like ones? No, no, it's kind of black textured plastic thing. They they're in ridiculously expensive, but I got it on Kickstarter when they were kickstarting it. But yeah, it's just like incredibly flexible and you can see a lot about you can see on the OLED display how much what rate of charge is going into the device and all that sort of stuff. So it's a bit of a nerd's dream really. So yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So yes, yeah, so you're pretty much like me. Loads of power banks, loads of devices. Battery anxiety is not really a big issue for for us. Yeah, I have a weird thing though, where when I was using the P20 Pro, so that would I'm obviously a heavy phone user, so that would mostly get me through the day um, on one charge. But even though I'll be sitting at my desk all day with a charger right there, I'd just leave my phone in my pocket or sit on a desk. Then when it got to like nine o'clock at night and I was on 10%, I'd be like, oh, why, why didn't I plug it in? But every day, exactly the same. Thankfully, kind of the mate has got rid of that anxiety. But Key question, do you have the Facebook app installed on your device and is it running in the background? Uh, I do have it installed on my device. Is it running in the background? I don't know. Probably. Probably, yes. Um, it's one of the, the pain points many have, have pointed out is the battery life is particularly on android and if you uninstall the facebook app and just use chrome or firefox or edge whichever your preferred web browser is for facebook it's almost as good as an experience but with a lot less of the battery drain yeah so i published an app on the play store actually called simply for facebook and it uses like an embedded chrome um, browser within an app to give you kind of the facebook web experience but with the benefits of it being in a separate app so I used that for quite a while, but yeah, I somehow ended up back on the Facebook app. But I don't use Facebook very much anyway, really. It's just a way of keeping in touch with family periodically. So, Yes, sadly, uh, as with all social networks, we go where the people are. Yeah, uh, yes, you... and not Google+. Plus. <laughs> sadly, uh, we, we had this conversation with Mark Dearlove. I remember the days when we, we used to all be quite active on Google+. Plus. Uh, it's 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 sad to see that uh, that opportunity lost by humanity. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think Twitter is ripe for disruption. It's just not clear where that's going to come from right now. So, yes, Twitter, sadly, I suppose. Sadly, the leadership is not not something we have faith in. Maybe, maybe it's the edit button that's missing, and when it comes, <laughs> they will change the world. Uh, Zali, if you head over to my blog, www.paulobryan.net, there's a post on there about how the edit button should work. So, uh, yeah, have a read of that. Very good. Product management tips for from Paul O'Brien to <laughs> Jack Dorsey. Uh, Jack, he also does consultancies. <laughs> Paulobryan.net. Yeah. So something I wanted to ask you, Matteo, um, is what's your getting back to travel so one of the key things about traveling with lots of devices or lots of kit is choosing the right 
bag or choosing the right thing to put it in so my kind of daily driver bag is um i'm sure you've seen it even if you don't have one is the one plus backpack yes so it's a bit of a staple of kind of tech geeks and might not be an obvious product to those outside tech circles but it's probably one of the best kind of purchases i've ever made it's a brilliant bag yeah, the, the, the OnePlus bag is great. For me, it's not really enough, uh, especially when traveling sort of shorter haul. So, for example, when I go to London, I usually have everything I need for three, four days in one bag, both mm. in terms of tech and luggage. So the OnePlus bag is a bit restrictive and small. I'm using a Sparin bag, which is uh, one that I purchased on Amazon. It's about £28. It's made for tech in that it has USB port on the side. It's a waterproof backpack, which has space for putting your power bank on the inside, and then you have a USB downward-facing USB port on the side of the backpack so that you can plug in a USB cable and charge your device on the go. Mm. And that's, that's the big selling point for me. Plus, it's exactly the size of hand luggage for EasyJet and Ryanair. Not that I will fly Ryanair anytime soon, but it just is within the, the limits, and I've never had any issues with cabin crew asking me to, to check it in. And what's that called? How do you spell that? Sparin, S-P-A-R-I-N. And the model is the 17-inch laptop model. Yeah, I'm going to Google it right now and leave it open in the window so I can have a look later. And it has all the right pouches to be able to access different bits at different times. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, reasonably priced at Amazon, twenty nine ninety nine as well. Yeah, it's it's a good good device. If you keep an eye on the daily deals on Amazon, uh, you can see that sometimes goes on offer. It can go down to £24, £25. Mm, nice, nice. So that's what I use. Lukash, you, you, you have quite a good uh, hand luggage backpack. Yeah, my favorite one is, uh, is one called Douchebags. It's uh, it's a brand by one of YouTubers I follow, um, Jon Olson. He's a, a Swedish um, photographer um, slash snowboarder slash uh, in Instagram uh, YouTube celebrity. And I'm a, bit, uh, I'm a bit worried about googling this. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it has a nice DB uh, in the logo, so it doesn't scream uh, douchebag when you when you walk around. Um, but it's really, really good. I traveled, uh, I had, I was on a six weeks around the world trip and I used it. Uh, it was my only baggage. It was, it fits into, um, I can carry it on and uh, it's just the exact size as well. Uh, but it's quite, uh, quite robust and, and really good. And it's in camo. So it's really mm. good as well. I'm just looking at a website now, and there's a, a 90 litre one called the Big Bastard, and a 60 litre one called the Little Bastard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yes, very, very interesting naming convention. <laughs> yeah. I'd like the Big Bastard, please, douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm trying to decide. I, I go to China on Friday, and I'm trying to decide what to use in terms of hand luggage. Do I take a little trolley and a small backpack, or do I take a big backpack? Mm. So it's it's decision time in that space. Yeah, uh, mine, mine typically depends where I'm going. So I've got the OnePlus bag if I'm going on like a business trip and kind of a, an additional case as well. But if I'm kind of going snowboarding, then, you know, I've got my 
snowboarding backpack which can fit a lot of stuff in it as well so they're my kind of two go-to bags yeah i'm torn if i do choose the the trolley case and uh and a small backpack to go with between our company uh issued samsonite's small backpack i think lucas you have one of those too and uh the honor backpack you mentioned one plus paul uh did you get one of the honor backpacks no, I haven't seen one of those. I didn't know that was a thing, to be honest. So, uh, yeah. So, it's been since the beginning of this year at influencer, blogger, journalist events. The the goodie bags have been rather than being bags themselves, they've been actual backpacks, mm. which are very nice. I'd say, arguably as nice as the OnePlus backpack. Oh, nice, nice. Um, very, very nice grey bag with little silver honor logo on the back very tasteful is that so, something they sell as well or is that kind of exclusive to the events do you know i think that in europe they're exclusive to the events but i wouldn't be surprised that in the in the honor department stores in shenzhen that you they will have a luggage section with that particular backpack model in it so when you're traveling and you've got your backpack do you always take a laptop wherever you go nowadays um if I'm traveling for work, yes, uh, my work machine is a it's a it's a trusty Dell. Mm-hmm. Uh, when not traveling for work, I've actually just switched. I was over in the U.S. in September. I made the purchase of a Microsoft Surface Go, and that's what I use when traveling. Wow, is that an old school phone? It's well, a landline. A landline, yeah. Wow, this week in in phone history. Paul O'Brien from Mudaku.com speaks about Windows Mobile 6.5 and shows us a landline phone. <laughs> and embarrasses everyone by having it ring on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's great. It adds to the retro feel of the, the episode. <laughs> oh, there you go. They're funny. Again. Good. Yeah. Silence. Can, can you change ringtones on that one? Probably. I don't know. Um, the only reason I have actually a landline phone we say you know it's an old school landline phone but yeah, it's actually um hooked into my voip lines so yeah it, you can dial the voip number and get through on my business number to a kind of old school phone i suppose so great so did you, build, did you build that service yourself or are you using a third party uh i used the third party called sipgate and then there's like a uh i can't remember it's been sitting behind the cupboard so long now. i can't even remember who makes it but there's like a siemens thing that provides a decked service for a voip line so yeah it's pretty cool it kind of mashes landline and voip together so yeah that's, that's pretty cool. awesome and who's your who's your internet service provider uh i'm with bt so uh yeah it's fine uh, speeds are pretty decent here we don't live in an interesting area to get like hyper optic or any of that cool stuff so yeah it's just fine you 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 live near one of our company founders and former colleagues uh, n- nearby him oh. uh, and yes it's lovely part of the world to live in uh, much better weather than edinburgh uh, <laughs> much better links to the rest of the world but sadly um not as much connectivity yeah um norfolk which is where i am is statistically the driest part of the country apparently is the uh, quote that i give everyone so and definitely compared to Edinburgh. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Very good. Okay, so um, we've talked about your trips to Seattle. Uh, apart from your trips down to London for for 
events and for work. Are there any other trips you go on regularly or as a one-off? Uh, mostly around the country, to be fair, to our other offices. Um, other than that, it's kind of holidays with the family. So we'll typically, you know, be skiing or snowboarding in at Christmas and in February, and then kind of summer holiday in France or somewhere like that. So obviously that involves packing all the right kit, um, as you can imagine. I think the key thing for me when I'm packing, you know, whatever I'm doing is that kind of photography gear kind of goes in first you know it used to be a dslr but you know don't never use that when phones got better um so now i take a lumix tz100 for kind of a proper camera and then obviously i've got you know a couple of phones as well and uh i just recently got a gopro hero 7 black so that's pretty cool because that's got the new hyper smooth stuff so the image stabilization built into the camera have you have you tried it skiing or snowboarding? Uh, not yet. I'll be doing that at Christmas. But I kind of we went to Cornwall um, last month, and I kind of we did a lot of walking, and I kind of tried it out there, and it does look pretty amazing. Yeah, I just uh, booked a skiing holiday, and I'm really struggling not to buy the GoPro Hero Five Seven. I have a five, but the the jump in stabilization is just amazing. So yeah, it's interesting for me because I've got as well as the Hero Seven Black, I've got a Rilo. So I don't know if you're familiar with that. So that's a 360 camera, but it uses a 360, not to make 360 videos, but you basically record this video. And then in the editing software, it does like this crazy stabilization where, you know, I walk along and I've got it on a selfie stick and I'm waving it around. And then when I play the video back later, it's completely smooth. Um, so I can imagine when you're skiing, that's going to be amazing. And you can pick. So as it's doing the video, you could be going down the piste and then you could get the video to look behind you and then track someone going past and all that sort of stuff afterwards. So that's pretty amazing. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see how the quality compares with the Hero 7 Black. Yeah, that's quite exciting. I, I think I've seen this one. Um, I'm also uh, wondering if I'm going to try uh, using a drone while skiing. That will be my, my extreme idea. I've got the Mavic Air. So depending on how busy the slopes will be, I might, I might try this. This could be uh, some good shots. Yeah, so I've got a Spark. So um, yeah, and I've been I've got a on loan Mavic from a friend of mine as well, a Mavic Pro. Um, yeah, I'm I just love droning. I think it's brilliant, you know. But um, it's getting harder to. It's becoming less socially acceptable to fly drones nowadays, and a lot of places are kind of making uh, banning it effectively. Um, but no, I love it. It's it's excellent fun, and some of the modes that are built into the DJI drones are great. I'm not sure I have the confidence to basically send it up and then ski down a mountain and just hope that it's going to follow me. <laughs> I can see like I'll get to the bottom of the piece and it will have landed or something. You know, yeah. you got to be pretty brave, pretty brave. Yeah, I, my my most extreme uh, attempt so far was uh, driving uh, a hired Mustang in um, in Hawaii um and and getting the drone to follow me but i was on the parking lot luckily uh, yeah. so, uh nothing happened but uh, some cool shots you can get with this one yeah i think uh drone technology is really interesting you know dji are kind of running away with it you know there's no one really compares you know the parrot drones you know are probably the nearest but even they're not great but um there's a couple of new companies coming out like skydio i don't know if you're familiar with them um yeah. they're kind of fully ai powered drone looks pretty cool so yeah. yeah it's a natural 
I think there are a couple of things that are natural progressions for phone nerds, and it's drones and like uh, cars and electric cars seem to be what you know phone nerds then get into if they want to waste yeah. even more money. You know. That's my gadget list. Yeah, uh, a phone, a drone, and uh, a Tesla. <laughs> right. How about combi gas boilers? Uh, <laughs> I think you, are they sort of gadgets if you can plug them into a hive or a nest or something like that, but. Eventually, yes, but they're really expensive if you need to get them fixed, as I've been trying to do today. Yeah, yeah. Are so, you in a cold house at the moment, then? Sorry? Are you in a cold house at the moment? No, no. So this, is, luckily, this is uh, my my other flat. Uh, so Candice and I managed to keep our first flat when we moved into our new one, and it's now an Airbnb. So uh, we 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 rent out the place to people who find us on Airbnb and that's a little combi boiler that we had originally put into the flat back in the day. And that's now being, uh, going to have an engineer around to fix it tomorrow. But it was a very interesting shopping process, uh, for the whole, what brands would you like? What components, who, who's, who would you like to supply the, the components? You realize so, this, is, this is the polar opposite of travel. This is like staying at home and fixing your boiler. It is, yes. Uh, but I really need to get it done just before I travel because I need to, to go to China on Friday. So hopefully I get it sorted tomorrow and that's the end of the headache. But yes, um, that's the, as, as you correctly mentioned there, that was the planned <laughs> segue is you can plug in a nest. Lukas, you, you've done that. And then when you are away traveling, you can remote control or do a quick checkup on your on on the situation. Yeah, yeah, I've got a nest, uh, both the boiler co uh, control and the camera. Uh, so I use one app for that. And uh, while on holidays, I I frequently check if the flood is still there and if um, if the temperature isn't going into negatives. So yeah, it's quite good. How about you, Paul? Uh, I've got Hive, but um, yes, and Unify for video network. But I don't know, it's not it's not that exciting, is it? You know, it's novelty wears off pretty quick, doesn't it? I'm afraid uh, Hive Hive are having a bit of a challenge at the moment, aren't they? I don't know, don't know. As in the, their their product team is in a bit of a, a shuffle, mm. uh, and I, I have a friend who used to work on their Android app uh, for, here from Edinburgh. And I, my understanding is that there's a bit of flux there and how the product's going to evolve is mm. still to be decided. Oh, interesting. So we'll see because that's that's a very interesting type of product which is useful to, to travelers, which we might decide to cover a bit more in depth on Tech Travel Geeks at some point. You uh, you got me thinking about something else then when you uh, mentioned, again, segueing, and I thought it got me thinking about scooters. And, uh, yes. What what with uh, Xiaomi officially launching in the UK and their Mi 365 scooter being officially available in the UK. Is this a tech area that has ever appealed to your good self? I have been seriously tempted. So last time I was in Shenzhen on business, I, this it's where everything happens. Lead times for components and software are very, very short. The iterations that are happening in the market there are very, very rapid. I was tempted to come home with one, but looking into it, it turns out that it's not actually legal to ride an electric power scooter anywhere in the UK. It doesn't. It doesn't really seem to stop people, though. I mean, let's be honest. No, 
but um, if anything were to happen because you're not allowed to be doing it, you would be automatically deemed to be in the wrong. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I've been thinking about the same, but for a boosted board. So it's something uh, I'm a huge fan of Casey Neistat on YouTube. Uh, and I've been dreaming of getting a boosted board, even though I, I never skate. Uh, but it's illegal in the UK, as, as Matteo is saying. You can't drive it, uh, ride it on either on uh, sidewalks or on the road. So you're a bit lost unless you do it on your in your uh, garden. Mm. Yeah. Technically, you're only allowed to do it in private land. If you're lucky enough to live in Norfolk, you probably have a quite a big garden. Yeah, I think that is, doesn't become that useful. I think the appeal in a scooter is, you know, uh, it, it folds up pretty light, take it on the train, jump off at the other end, you know, scoot up the hill, you know, and I see people doing that, but yeah, it is, uh, yeah, technically you shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> so hopefully after Brexit, uh, we, we will have time to ponder these bigger issues. And... Uh, well, we'll, we'll all need scooters because we won't be able to afford cars and petrol anymore. <laughs> Well, um, as as some people do say, having a car is a lifestyle choice. Uh, sometimes forced, sometimes not. Who knows? But yes, that's a, another interesting thing. So you, you mentioned your Paul, your holidays tend to be in um, in the UK and France. Hmm. And how do you get there? What's what mode of transportation do you usually take? Uh, it varies. Uh, we quite often drive. So um, we're, when we go skiing at Christmas, we'll be driving, and we drove to Bordeaux. Uh, in the summer so yeah we tend to drive but we do fly as well sometimes so yeah we quite like uh kind of making the journey part of the holiday and stopping en route and all that kind of stuff so uh yeah it, it's it's uh it's good fun it's gonna be interesting we're aiming for our next car to be an ev so that'll make driving to um just outside geneva definitely an experience and a uh, <laughs> planning exercise but uh, yes. yeah we try and drive where we can I think Miriam Joar had a very interesting definition of of a new type of refugee, are those waiting for their electric cars to be charged whilst they have something to eat in a relatively unhealthy uh, mm -hmm. diner or 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 fast food restaurant. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, even on rapid charges, you're still going to be there for you know 45 minutes to an hour charging up your car. So yeah. And you can burn through that two, three hundred miles pretty quickly, and then be back eating another burger. You know. <laughs> yes. And so, so what do you drive at the moment, Paul? Uh, I've got a Golf GT at the moment, so plug-in hybrid. So currently, um, yeah, I kind of get the benefit of driving electric locally, and most of our journeys are kind of local journeys and within the range. So the longest journey we do on a regular basis is kind of driving from home to Norwich, which is just over twenty miles. So we can leave home, drive electric all the way there, plug in on a polar charger in Norwich and then drive home on electric as well. But of course, if we do a longer journey, then we have the benefit of a petrol engine as well. So kind of best of both worlds a little bit at the moment, but I think we probably could cope with full electric now. Very good. Do, do you think um, the plug-in electric hybrid is the the ideal stepping stone towards full electric? Yeah, I think it is really. I mean, for us, it's been a great learning experience about, you know, where you can charge and, you know, the experience of owning an electric car and all the good stuff about it. But, you know, without, you know, fully committing to, you know, doing away with, you know, dead dinosaurs completely, you know. <laughs> yes, 
change the dead dinosaurs for really old minerals in the batteries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think uh, plug-in plug hybrids are good. I think uh, the reality is that a lot of people won't be able to have kind of electric cars in their lives because they don't have suitable parking for charging and that kind of thing. You know, plug-in hybrids offer, you know, a bit of an answer to that until charging infrastructure on street and things is a lot better. Yeah, so that's the, the biggest challenge is to have that infrastructure, which is at least the equivalent of the, the petrol filling station networks that we have in yeah. most countries around the world at the moment. Yeah, see, my, my um, joke was that I bought the Golf GTE because it's just a big battery bank and I can't stop buying battery banks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you're right about the uh, infrastructure and kind of petrol stations. And in fact, recently BP brought ChargeMaster, didn't they? So they're going to be putting ChargeMaster rapid chargers in you know BP petrol stations. So yeah, they're kind of two worlds coming together. Yeah, I, I was remember being very impressed by BP having a petrol filling station in Luxembourg. Mm. So depending on which route you take from Milan to whichever port you're you're getting the ferry back to to the UK in, um, they had this petrol filling station that was in the middle of nowhere, and they were claiming to be a, a producer of electricity because they had loads of solar panels and mm. windmills on the site. And they were offering free electric charging, but also they were they were pumping power back into the grid. Nice, nice. It's um, yeah. I I mean, it's like the most boring, nerdy thing to think about, really. But it's sort of travel, so I think I can get away with it. It's a kind of when you need to plug in your car for forty five minutes to get a decent charge, and you know you're not going to charge much quicker than that anytime soon. It completely changes what the concept of a petrol station is, doesn't it? You know, you already see. You know, BP are putting cafes and M&S and all that kind of stuff into their filling complexes. So I think, you know, you'll continue to see that expand as people need to leave their car on site for 45 minutes to an hour and kind of kill time. Yeah. Cinem cinemas, maybe? That would Cinema. be interesting. Yeah. Or a net Netflix cinema, so you can watch an episode of House of Cards, maybe. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to be be very very optimistic and hope we get to the point with not only electric vehicles but also fully aut autonomous vehicles where mm. they're open Weatherspoons pubs in the petrol filling stations or charging stations so I can have a few beers because it's not my problem the car will be driving for me so of all the pub chains you could have in a petrol station you went Weatherspoons I'm a bit worried about that. Yeah. Yes, I, I'm. I'm a great, great fan of Weatherspoons, and more specifically of their beautiful HTML5 app, which, <laughs> <laughs> which is beautifully clunky but functional. See, there's me thinking it'd be lovely to have like a nice gin bar and maybe some fine wines. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I need to have a Weatherspoons uh, with that serves halloumi fries. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. And, ho and hooch, obviously. Uh, obviously, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for the for our listeners abroad who don't know what hooch is, it's an alcoholic lemon brew which used to be quite a hit in the nineties with teenagers, and seems to have maintained that market demographic as they aged, which means it's now at people in their thirties and forties are still <laughs> drinking hooch at Weatherspoons. I don't think this is the kind of thing that you shouldn't be admitting on air. I think oh, it's fine, Paul. I don't have any street cred. But you know, <laughs> you, you've known this for years. So, uh, uh, do you do you have a hooch with a Smirnoff Ice Chaser? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, 
I'm I'm more middle class than that. <laughs> All right. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. No. No. Okay. Uh, no. No. <laughs> I stick to the hooch on ice. Yeah. And it is a very refreshing drink. Uh, whereas um, my understanding is that on the west coast of Scotland, the preferred beverage is Buckfast on ice. I but, I hear what that is. So it's um it's actually a, an English uh, but but an English monastery called Buckfast, and they make this tonic wine, which is red wine with locally sourced grapes mixed in with caffeine and herbs and is quite frankly disgusting, but <laughs> very popular in 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 certain parts of Scotland because the price to alcohol volume is very, very low. Ah, I see. The the yeah. ratio is very low. And so it's it's known to, to be the cause of quite a few incidents at weekends. I was at a stag do um, the other month, and uh, the uh, Buckfast was the main um, drink of choice uh, for the gents there. And yeah, some some interesting stories I could tell you probably offline. Uh, one of them in, involving a virtual reality helmet and playing Gran Turismo, and after a few Buckfasts, uh, didn't end too well. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I believe that was just before uh, one of the episodes of the Tech Travel Geeks podcast that you you were delayed in reaching us on. Yeah, that, that was it. Uh, luckily, not for me because of the backfast. Uh, but yeah, interesting. Interesting. So yes, um, for those of you listening, we've just gone down memory lane in alcohol consumption and uh, practices. Paul, what's your tipple of choice when not at the Weatherspoons? Uh, I quite uh, interestingly so i keep bringing these back to gadget related stuff so that tells you everything you need to know about me really i recently recently ish got one of those i don't know if you've see, seen something called the sub so it's like a if you imagine like as a nespresso is to coffee then this is um the equivalent for beer so you kind oh, of wow. you get these things called torps which are like two liter like a two liter bottle of beer you're going to put them in the machine it chills it down pressurizes it and then you can kind of pull it with a proper tap and um i can't remember it's one of the big brands makes the actual machine and then like the heineken group make the actual torps so you can get all sorts of different beers in there and stuff so yeah i'm quite fond of that at home and then we kind of got a naked wine subscription as well for a nice glass of wine but yeah the sub which we got you know it was on a half price deal was a super cool thing for proper beer at home Awesome and really good news that they have Heineken beer making the the tor is it torps torps yeah they I think it's they're a bit torpedo shape I suppose is probably why they're called torps but yeah it, it chills it down to two degrees or something so it's a proper nice cold beer and there's IPAs and like a Cobra beer and you know all sorts of different stuff so. that's re really good news if it's heineken because they now also own lagunitas my favorite uh, californian brewery and they okay. handle distribution as well which means that if that's the case i might have a good reason to get one soon yeah if you go to the-sub.co.uk you can kind of have a look and see you know what kind of stuff they have so the-sub.co.uk yeah yeah. Um, Matteo, I think our colleague who I went to the uh, Stagdu uh, uh, has also has one, so we can probably talk to him when he's back. 
uh, in a couple of weeks. So, oh, so, so shout out to Martin in that case. Did you see yeah. Lagunitas? Yes. So they actually have a Lagunitas Torp, but it's out of stock at the moment. But yeah, you can normally get that as one of the Torps. Awesome. That's great because that's what our go-to place. Um, I don't know if you know the the Twit TV uh, bunch on the internet, uh, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the, their studio is just around the corner from the Lagunitas Brewery in Petaluma. That's all right now. So, and it just happens to be in the same block as a Motel Six. So, cheaper accommodation, brewery with awesome food, and the Twit Studio. Nice. Do you do you get out there much on Twit or? Um. Yes, I do two three times a year to the to the studio, uh, depending on on vacations and plans. So I was there recently in in September. It's a it's a great great place, great bunch of people. And they're they're in a way setting a standard for how to to do podcasting at scale. Nice with nice. with a physical presence in one place. I want to ask one last question about um, technology for travel. You know, keeping it on topic a little <laughs> bit. Um, noise cancelling headphones. So um, I'm pretty intrigued by the new Sony's that are getting like rave reviews. So the third um, generation ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you use noise cancelling headphones, either of you yourselves, or? So I use the version two, the the second generation. Um, the difference is the uh, USB C in the new one versus USB uh, micro USB in the old one. I'm not sure how different the sound is in the in the new one, uh, but I've been very happy with them. I'm, I'm wearing them just now, and okay. they changed they changed my life, my commutes basically. It's completely different world i just shut off i just put on some music on or youtube and and i i commute quite like 40 minutes per uh, per uh, one way so i really really like them i thought you've got the bose right yes yeah, so uh, my main travel ones are bose qc35 2 that's mm. the ones with the google assistant built in and i'm very very happy with those I have to say, I've been using noise-canceling noise headphones since 2006, and I've been through quite a few brands, but Bose have really blown me away by how good they are. They're also a step up in terms of price because they're, what, £300 mm. in that ballpark of price range. Uh, but it, I also use uh, wired ones, so the ones I'm wearing at the moment. Yeah. These yeah. are Sony Active Noise Cancellation ones. Uh, with the added advantage of 3.5 millimeter uh, connectivity, which I sometimes prefer to not have to worry about charging my, my headphones as well. What is this 3.5 millimeter you speak of? I'm not familiar with it. <laughs> you, you may have found that port on a Pocophone F1, Paul. Uh, yes, yeah, we haven't even talked about that, have we yet? <laughs> yes, uh, so the Pocophone F1 has a 3.5 millimeter audio jack, and sometimes for not having to worry about charging uh, my noise cancelling headphones, that's what I use. Mm. I'm actually planning on taking the Pocophone to to China on Friday and using that for media playback of audiobooks and podcasts. It's a decent device, isn't it? In a lot of ways, actually. No. Um, yeah, the build's a bit plasticky, and there's a bit of light bleed around the screen. But other than that, you know, it's pretty unbeatable. Well, it is unbeatable for the money, isn't it? It is. I think that in terms of value for money, you're getting a lot. But also, if you think back to 
even just when I was writing for Moda Copal, the quality of what people are complaining about now is nothing compared to the light bleed, bleed issues we were having on Orange Monte Carlos in 2009, 2010. There is no such thing as a bad phone anymore, even in the £39 price range. No, so a Pocophone F1, um, a Laptops Direct is 289 and yeah, that's just incredible value from a UK seller with a UK plug, 64 gig storage, um, 6 gig of RAM, Snapdragon 845, yeah, unbelievable really. Yeah, if you go on to eGlobal Central, onto AliExpress or Gearbest, you can get it for as little as £220. And it's second to none in value. So if you compare, say, the Honor 8X to the Pocophone F1, at the same price, you're getting a lot. Yeah, it's um, it's a normal size phone. It's probably the difference between it and the 8X. Um, you know, normal people who don't want massive phones, you know, will be pretty happy with a Pocophone. Yes. Um, also, the notch isn't much of an issue uh, to me personally, but I can see how how it stands out as an issue for some users because in games or apps that use uh, don't use the notch, it mm. blacks out a vertical line across the top, yeah. and then you have cur curved corners at the other end. Mm. For the, uh, I think I'm quite happy with the notch on the Pocophone F1 because it has the um, face scanning tech in, and the face scanning on a Pocophone is the fastest face scanning that I've used on any device, pretty much. You know, it's as fast as the Mate 20 Pro. It's pretty amazing. So, yeah, yeah, well yeah. worth it. So you've already I, I, had the update yeah. for the face scanning? Uh, no, but I changed my region to India, and then uh, you get face scanning. So that's quite cool. Yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot that I did that at first. Yeah, so change region to India, and you get the face scanning for some bizarre reason. Yes, um, my understanding is that our friend Wilkin and the Xiaomi team are working on optimizing it because they haven't had a big enough sample of people in the UK to make it fully reliable. So it's still being worked on. There's a lot of QA work happening at the moment. Yeah. And hopefully we'll see that come to the UK standards release devices soon. Android Pi as well is imminent, isn't it, on the uh, developer ROM release? So, yeah, pretty cool. It's Android Pi, but most users will not see a difference because it will still be uh, glazed over with MIUI 10. Yeah, but the best thing about having Pi on it is you'll be able to install the Google Camera APK with Nightshot. So you get Nightshot for 280 quid, which is just, yeah, nuts. Yes. Have you? What devices have you installed Nightshot on? Uh, just my Pixel at the moment. So, uh, yeah, I've got the uh, Nightshot APK on the Pixel 3 XL. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty neat. Hopefully, we'll get it officially soon. So Yeah, so uh, Nightshot, for, for our listeners who don't know, is this amazing new software uh, stack that Google has that does require Android 9, but does a combination of the equivalent of phase detection autofocus for long exposure. So it factors in moving of the environment, moving of the device, and does a four-second exposure. And really, it does make the difference of night and day. Paul has some very good examples of it on on Twitter, I believe. Is that where you publish yeah. them? Yeah. And The Verge, our friend Vlad Savov and uh, Dieter Bone did a very good video explaining it and how it works. And uh, I 
I'm looking forward to it. I have my Pixel 3 XL here with its bathtub notch, just waiting for the, the update to arrive. Yeah, it's supposed to be basically today or thereabouts, isn't it? So, yes. I've, yeah, look forward to that. I've had to reduce the number of devices I'm taking to China to three. And the final short list or the final list that I'm taking is the Mate 20 Pro, obviously the Pixel 3 XL, and the Pocophone F1. Nice. Nice nice selection. Yes. So I'm hoping to have some time to take some great night shots of Hong Kong and Macau with the three devices to do a comparison. Nice. Good, good. Right. Um, I think we've covered most things. Uh, do you want to give us a bit more context about Modico, what Modico is doing at the moment? Or actually, if you could tell us why Modeco.com is called Modeco. Uh, so it was originally Mobile Data Consultancy. Um, so, yeah, it was, and that kind of became Mobile Data Community, I suppose. But, um, yeah, I'm currently uh, in a full-time job, actually, aside from Modeco. So I've kind of mothballed most of the site activity and most of the consultancy activity at the moment. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of limiting myself to kind of the odd phone review here and there and a bit of writing and a bit of coming on podcasts and stuff. So Very good. And what's your day job? Would you like to give a shout out to what you're doing there? Uh, so I'm IT director for a company based in Norwich that does customer feedback surveys. So a company called ServiceTick. So servicetick.com if you need customer feedback surveys for your organization. There you go. Very good. And is that can that be built into apps or is it for the web or both? Uh, yeah, it's interesting, actually. So we're building out an SDK at the moment. So, um, yeah, it'll be a kind of drop-in part to, yeah, get surveys within your app that will fire on specific conditions or manually. or So, yeah, putting a mobile slant on it, of course. Very good. So that's that's really, really interesting in providing companies and service providers with the option to get direct feedback from their users with from within the experience. Yeah. Sounds like something that we could use, but... Who knows? When you see the Tech Travel Geeks app or website asking you for a survey, think of where that could have come from. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Very good. Um, and what else would you like to shout out about? Is there any other initiatives or projects that you think are going to change the world? Um, talk about putting me on the spot, eh? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think so, really. I'm just kind of, yeah, looking at... Uh, with interest at where autonomous vehicles are kind of going to go over the coming years. One one of my previous employers, um, I worked in telematics. Um, so I'm interested to see, you know, what kind of data we get coming out from autonomous vehicles and kind of how we apply that. But um, yeah, kind of got my hands full with everything going on at the moment. So yeah, we'll see what Very happens. Good. And just to, to finish it off, uh, what are your favorite apps for consuming media on mobile devices whilst traveling interesting one so um i'll probably go pretty simple and just load up a load of stuff in netflix so uh yeah a bit of a classic um yeah i've kind of i've been through phases of downloading loads of stuff and transcoding you know dvds and all that sort of stuff but i'm kind of don't have enough time to really get into that sort of stuff nowadays. So yeah, I'll just go on Netflix and download a load of stuff to watch on the flight. And my daughter, 
um, who's 14, nearly 15. She's got an iPad and does the same, you know, gets a load of stuff down off Netflix. So that's kind of our go-to media service nowadays, um, aside from obviously Pocket Cast for kind of podcasts and that sort of thing. But for, yeah, for video content. Speaking of, of software updates, have you received the new Pocket Cast 7, which is re- being released as we, we, we podcast? No, I don't think so, no. No. Yeah. Is it big change? Yes, massive change. Uh, my understanding is that it will be for both iOS and Android. And it's uh, particularly on iOS, it's long overdue, which is great. It's I, I've been following uh, one of the, the, well, actually their chief product officer, Rusty, on, on, uh, on Twitter, and he's quite relieved that the release is out. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'll download that tonight and uh, see if I can have a, have a play. Good. Um, and do you listen to audiobooks? Uh, uh, no, not really, if I'm honest. No. So I kind of, uh, I, I can just about cope with podcasts and kind of keep my brain focused on them. I kind of, yeah, audiobook, audiobook's not for me. <laughs> my mind is just going a thousand miles an hour on something else and it just didn't work. <laughs> Very good. How about uh, music? What service do you use for music? Uh, I used to be play music, but like many um, kind of phone review people, I had to kind of give up play music because it wouldn't let me activate all my devices. So we're now on a Spotify family plan. So uh, yeah, it works pretty well for us. And obviously that links into our Alexa and Google Assistant accounts. So that's pretty cool. Very good. And would you be tempted if YouTube Music launched uh, more properly to consider moving to YouTube Music, or is Spotify really the best solution for you and the family? Yeah, Spotify works well for us. I can't really see any reason I'd want to move personally. I think my daughter would quite like it if moving to YouTube Music meant she didn't have to watch adverts on YouTube anymore. So, you know, that would kind of be a plus for her. But for me personally, I think, yeah, Spotify works well, integrates with Waze nicely. Um, you know, he's got a good experience in Android Auto and all that sort of stuff, which is just, you know, Android Auto, I think, is amazing. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't really be inclined to switch, I don't think. Very good. And you, you've mentioned your laptop, your phones, your power banks. What else is in your bag when you travel? Lots of cables. <laughs> so, yeah, at least one, uh, you know, those charging blocks you get where it's one power in and then like six wires coming out like some sort of beast from the other side. There's always one of those with quick charge and USB PD. Uh, I've got an XPS 9370 is kind of my go-to device. Um, so a charger for that. Um, but I think that's about it, really. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so pretty much the same as me. Uh, you, you, you mentioned your camera, Panasonic TZ100. Um, what charger does that take? Uh, you can charge it from uh, micro USB. Very good. But I've got a, I've got a spare battery for that, and then like a, a little uh, plastic thing that charges two batteries from a micro USB. So, yeah, I can kind of go hotel room, one plug, and have everything kind of coming off it, which is pretty cool. Very good. Okay then. Um, I think we've covered everything. Lukash, is there anything else you'd like to speak to Paul about? Uh, no, but it's been a it's been a pleasure. So um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. It's been fun. Yeah. So uh, shout out to Mark Dearlove, who who we had on recently, and I'm sure at some point we'll watch this episode or listen to this episode of the Tech Travel Geeks podcast. 
Thank you, Paul, for joining us. Where can people follow you on the internet? Uh, probably best place to start is at Paul O'Brien on Twitter, um, at Paul at Modico on Instagram. Um, yeah, that's where most of my stuff is nowadays. So come say hi and uh, let me know who you are. Very good. Um, so, Lukash, how about you? Where can people follow you on the internet? Uh, I'm El Suliga on, on Twitter uh, and I'm on Instagram, Lukash Suliga. Other than that, uh, Tech Travel Geeks, you can find our videos on YouTube and on techtravelgeeks.com. Um, there are some articles and links to the videos. What about you, Matteo? So uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at Todoleo, uh, Tango Oscar, Delta Oscar, Lima Echo Oscar. And you can read my ramblings and edited podcasts on techtravelgeeks.com. So what does, what does Todoleo mean? Um, totally is the outcome of an oral examination I had in at high school in Italy, ironically doing French medieval literature, and we were covering La Chanson de Roland. So uh, when asked about the source, about who the author was, um, I was supposed to say that there was no real known author. The oldest manuscript we have found is was penned by someone called Turaldo. I got Turaldo wrong, called it Todoleo. My friends started <laughs> laughing at me. I embraced it, and it became my personal brand. Ah, oh, nice. <laughs> nice story. Nice story. Yes. No, not, not very straightforward, but I've made it my <laughs> own thing. Uh, I believe I recently let the domain expire, so if anyone wants Todoleo.com, they can have it. <laughs> uh, but, yes, it's, it's, it's still my handle on on the interwebs and so yeah uh, people can follow me there on social most social media platforms and if you follow us on twitter at tech travel geeks we tend to tweet about current tech and travel related content we tweet out our new episodes of the podcast and new articles that are on our site you can also subscribe to Tech Travel Geeks on YouTube, where Lukash's excellently edited video with shoehorns drone footage tend to be posted. <laughs> and you can also subscribe to our podcasts on Pocket Casts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, and invoke tech, the Tech Travel Geeks podcast from your voice assistants of choice. So thank you very much for listening, everyone, and good night from us. Cheers. Thank Bye. Thanks very much.